Welcome all to December 2019, uh, episode 77 of the podcast today. It is the 3rd of December 2019, and uh, we've got a, a different type of episode today. We've got, I guess, uh, there are some causes from time to time that uh, uh, certainly the community have sort of close and dear to their heart. There are certainly lots of causes, as you know, as an Apexian that I like to support and like to sort of find out some more information about. Um, Obviously, a lot of those charities that we've sort of uh, that that I've sort of spoken about over time, uh, I have a fairly good understanding. But one that I probably don't have as much of, of involvement or understanding today, which I'm very keen to sort of find out about, is dementia, dementia awareness. So I'm here to talk to some, uh, I guess, some people who have a lot of knowledge, a lot of expertise in this area of dementia. And so I'd like to welcome to the podcast today Douglas Taylor, Eileen Taylor, and Lisa Logan. Welcome along, everybody. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Hi Tim. Hi. Thank Good to have you all on the podcast. Thank you very much for uh, coming along. And uh, I guess we'll get started. Uh, just a bit of background information about, I guess, uh, my least familiar guest here, uh, Douglas and Eileen. Tell, tell us about where you guys come from. Uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? What was what? Where did you sort of live er- in earlier life? I guess just wow. to put you in a bit of perspective, <laughs> just so we know. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, I was born in South Africa from Scottish parents. Uh, lived there until I was about 23. I met Eileen in South Africa. She was originally from England, and we married in South Africa and came to Australia in 1970. So we've been here quite a long time. Our sort of interest into the dementia world happened in 1981 when Eileen's dad. Uh, started to show signs of unusual behaviour. And in 1981, just about no one had heard, I had not heard of Alzheimer's or dementia much at that point in my life. In fact, they used to use different terminologies back then. I was on a flight from LA to Denver and I was reading the in-flight magazine about Alzheimer's because they were promoting that as an awareness issue in the US at the time. And I thought, wow, this is her dad. And uh, so from there on, we took it from there. So we got involved really from her dad. That was in about 1981. So I came back to Australia. In 1981, there was nowhere in Australia where you could get help except one city, and that was in Adelaide. Okay, Adelaide, uh, good old They were the only Radelaide. city that had anything to do with Alzheimer's in 1981. Uh, the work I do, I was a social worker, so I was involved in helping the Alzheimer's group get going here in Brisbane at that time and also the carers group that got going at that time as well and and Eileen and her family are quite involved with that as well because of her dad's illness because by that time he did become officially diagnosed about took about four years after I first suggested that he might have that as a condition. And so just uh, I don't want to be rude or anything like that but how old was your dad when he got uh, when that happened? He would have been about 52, 53. Yeah, so quite young. He has what is called younger onset Alzheimer's disease. So most people think of it being for older people, you know, much older, 70s, but um, he had younger onset Alzheimer's. And I'll let Eileen tell you what she wants to say about that. Oh, you can, yeah, take the microphone Uh, if you want. I think when they when he first went to his GP, he was told he was he. My mom was told he was just eccentric, and um, not to worry about it. 
just to go away, you know. Uh, so he he was like that for a little while, but then then we were able to get him diagnosed. Mm. Is that through through geriatricians hospitals or just? Um, Initially, it I was think it was through a, a geriatrician at mm. hospital. Yeah, Jerry yeah. was the guy that made the final diagnosis, but mm. that took five years wow. of pushing. Yeah, that hasn't changed. That was in nineteen mid eighties. I, I think that it still happens today. Still very hard yeah. to get yeah, yeah. diagnosis today yeah, as well. Yeah, doctors and are very I'm reluctant to diagnose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I was diagnosed myself in two thousand and nine. Nine. So about ten years ago. About Arlene. ten years ago. And Arlene was fifty-nine. Then. With a younger onset. Mm. Um. And so I've become a big advocate. Yeah. So that's probably a bit of background about, I guess, how you first sort of became involved yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in uh, dementia awareness and, and uh, where, I guess, how did the, I guess the other, sorry, to, I'll probably introduce Lisa. So Lisa, uh, how, how did you guys sort of meet, uh, how did you both meet the tailors here? Well, well, I am. Um, I'm fortunate to work for a um, for a, an aged care company called Vicenti, but I've worked in community care for the last five years and worked with a lot of people with um, with either early onset or, or um, advanced dementia and um, or dementia or Alzheimer's and helped them and their carers through the process of. Uh, I guess helping to coordinate things and and trying to look at ways in which to make their life a little bit easier and a little bit better, and um, so great. I started a program within our company um, for for carers to really um, be able to to meet each other and also gain information. So we've partnered with Dementia Australia to be able to provide information and then support and and opened our um, our cafes to be a, you know a dementia friendly cafes as well. So we're trying to create that you know enhance that community aspect. Um, around dementia care and and the acceptance of it, but also ways in which you can actually normalise life for people with dementia as well. And I was very fortunate to meet Doug at a um, at a networking event out at Redland mm. Bay. So um, yeah, and I'd love to you know I really um, love to be able to help these guys on their journey. They've got a really great um, a great message and a, you know a great um, story to tell. And I think that it's really important that people hear it. Mm. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, so dementia is like an umbrella term. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, dementia is at the top, mm. and underneath is over 100 different types of dementias. Mm. Alzheimer's being the most prevalent. Mm. And then there's younger uh, younger Alzheimer's, or younger onset well, a of, of any var- of those. Mm. There's a couple of varieties of Alzheimer's in itself. So mm. most people, when they think... They, they think they're two different things, but Alzheimer's is actually a dementia. And what Eileen is saying is that there's over more than 100 different types of dementia, and Alzheimer's is the most common yeah. type. Yeah. Mm. Most people don't realise that. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, so obviously lots of different, 100 different types, uh, and um, you know, it's certainly certainly a lot to think about when, when you know, all the different possibilities of... Mm. of uh, uh, of when that can happen to anybody at any time, um, and obviously there's uh, there's lots of economic costs involved in something like dementia. A lot like with a lot of um, you know things that we have in the you know community. If someone has MS, there's always going to be a cost to be able to to be able to sort of uh, treat the you know treat the patients uh, to be able to you know put 
what needs to be put in place, whether it's uh, uh, you know alterations to the homes, whether it's mm. uh, alterations to the way they do things, uh, care, home care, uh, home mm. care, mm. Uh, shared care, all the, mm. all the, these types of arrangements. So. Mm. The economic costs for uh, for something like um, dementia and our timers generally, uh, what what are we sort of talking there? Fairly large scale, billions of dollars. Mm. In in worldwide, it's it's bigger than quite a few significant countries there. Overall, mm. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it, it mounts into the billions. And because mm. dementia is growing at such an alarming rate, mm. you know they're predicting that, that there's a lot of countries who are getting quite afraid and worried about. There won't be any money. Mm. Yep. At the moment, there's, to, been, there's a big controversy happening in the UK at the moment because they had what they call a dementia tax. So they were actually charging people that had dementia. They, they were having to pay more money. So they don't have as nice as kind of a um, service arrangement as we have in Australia. Mm. So it's quite expensive for, for people to survive with dementia, particularly yeah. if you're putting somebody in a nursing home and you've got no money. Mm. So as I said, our time is obviously accounting for about 50 to 70% of all dementia cases. Uh, I mean, I guess in the early stages of dementia, I guess give us, give us your sort of you know, expertise as to, uh, I guess, what are the sort of early, early signs that you're seeing common now in, as we sort of approach 2020 as to what, what, how people are getting sort of diagnosed and and that sort of thing. What are, what are, what are they <laughs> the likely? The early symptoms. Yeah. Well, generally they would say it's more in the cognitive realm that you'll yeah. notice some of the differences. So for Eileen, one of the things that she found, you talk about what that was, words yeah. for you. Mine was finding words. Mm. I was a counsellor. Yep. And so your counsellor so, was your profession, was yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. So. And so it was finding the technical words I needed to explain something. Yeah. And so I'd skirt around it mm. to find the, what I wanted to say mm. using different words. Mm. Using words that you didn't necessarily, well, that didn't, didn't seem to fit. Yeah, they fat. They oh, fit. Oh, they did fit, yeah. yeah. They did fit. Yeah. Mm. But, but the specific words. But I had to use more words than I really needed. Yeah, yeah so overusing. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's things like that. It's the it's the executive functioning that goes mm. generally in those early stages. And find me, mm. for me, it was it was giving change. Yeah. As yeah. well, you know, it, with money. Mm-hmm. Um, so executive functioning is so like problem solving. So finding the right change that I needed out of a dollar, if if it was eighty five cents, mm. you know, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're talking, they're talking about sort of one to in ten Australians over 65 years of age are sort of getting those types of symptoms of being either having Alzheimer's or or dementia, um, and then obviously a higher percentage as you get older uh, as well. So that's that's yeah, still a bit of a trend uh, when it comes to I guess how things are I guess with dementia it's itself. Um, so well, one of the things, just quickly, one yeah. of the things is that. Age doesn't cause dementia, no, so that's no, important sort of, to recognise that. Yeah. Mm. Most people who live longer will mm. get dementia, but mm. it's not caused by age. No, it's usually yeah. some sort yeah. of trauma it's or still, some sort yeah. of illness, yeah. isn't yeah. it, that, that can bring it on. What do you think the young... How old would the youngest person be that's would have had dementia, some sort of dementia that you know? Children. So children. Yeah. Yeah. I saw two, something on Facebook yeah. about yeah. a, a, a five-year-old yeah. boy yeah. having... Yeah. 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 
and but young. But that's a different kind. It's a different of, type, a different of type yeah. childhood. Dementia. dementia. Yeah. Mm. But very young to the very old, all ages. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. no one really is immune from ever no. having a dementia. And there was something mm. that I read just re recently. They're saying that, you know, if you look at what, what people are afraid of in the 21st century, the biggest fear that people have is about developing a dementia, mm. Mm. being afraid Absolutely. that they may yeah. not be able to remember mm. or they may not be able mm. to do, you know, automatic functioning type things. Mm. The way I've seen with some of my clients um, that I've looked after over the years is they might become just uh, like a, a bit forgetful or a bit muddled, um, but then can progress to not being able to um, work your legs correctly. So you want to put your leg in a certain way and it's just not doesn't work the way yeah. that you would normally or you tend to repeat yourself quite often and that can be quite difficult for for you for your loved one um, and when they answer you 10 times about the same thing mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know and then it can actually progress to a situation where you can no longer um, bath yourself feed yourself or yeah. things like yeah. that so it is a progressive disease and um, it, it it is quite difficult for people as they get into their later years um, but it does it does start with minor things. Uh, I always think of um, you might lose your keys, but you might not forget how you know might not hmm. you don't forget how to drive. Hmm. But people with with um, with Alzheimer's will eventually forget how to drive and and how to do certain things. Not everyone has that um, because everyone's a little bit different. So the brain will work a little bit differently for everyone. Um, so some people will will have different different symptoms, but it is uh, an atrophy of the brain. Surely. One of the problems with Alzheimer's is that Alzheimer's is a disease, mm. and as a disease, what that disease does is it destroys the neurons. So mm. in your brain, you've got millions of neurons that kind of talk to each other and that the disease causes those neurons to die there's two mm. kinds of way that they die so when they die they no longer talk to each other mm. so what happens is your body is slowly shutting down those neurons that were telling the body to feed themselves or to walk or, or move their legs no longer are able to do that because the neurons aren't working so there's a gradual breaking down of the body and usually the last parts of the body that go are the physical parts of your body like eating swallowing even is a, is a mm. big issue mm. so people don't know how to swallow when they're eating their food they mm. the food gets stuck in their throat quite often people don't really always die from dementia they die from things like pneumonia mm. because oh. they've had food trapped in their lungs mm. while they were eating and mm. it, you know yeah. contaminates the lungs and they get ill from it that way mm. yeah so i mean there's a few things we can probably take in take as far as the conversation but as we sort of get to to uh, 2020 what uh, is this sort of regular type of what what are the sort of medicines or prescriptions or is anything drug related that uh, people take that that start getting uh, uh, dementia uh, you know what what's common yeah. is it sort of common or is every case fairly different because there's so many different types well they are different I mean there's no real medication they've got a couple out that's slow the progression of the medication down yep. for, uh, for, Alzheimer's. for Alzheimer's only because yeah. the second biggest kind of dementia is is vascular dementia. So vascular dementia is where your uh, blood vessels start to shrink. So the blood that goes to your brain and helps your brain to operate um, doesn't work too well. So often people who have a stroke or they have some other heart condition will often 
you know, experience a vascular type dementia. Mm. But with Alzheimer's, uh, they've been, you know, challenged for years to find a drug mm. that will be the cure. Mm. But up until now, it's pretty elusive. Mm. Yeah. So, in your professional opinion, I mean, what's the research like? In, in I mean, obviously, there's never enough dollars to spend on research for yeah. for for uh, what you're an advocate for, but. Um, I guess, you know, how, how, how do you think the research is at the moment? Is there a, a still a lot to do? What, what do you think? Yeah, there's loads to do. Uh, in Australia, we spend far more, and, and not, not only Australia, but worldwide, far more money has been spent on cancer research than yeah, of course, dementia yeah. research. Um, and yet it's flowing at a, at a quicker rate than cancer ever did when yeah. cancer became a thing that people were worried about. So not enough money has been spent on dementia research. Australia is still, I think, behind the rest of the world, particularly the UK and the USA, where they spend far more money per capita than we would do in Australia. Australia is slightly catching up, and mm. you know the, the idea, I mean, research does happen here, yeah, and Eileen has been involved as a candidate in the research, and we've both been involved in, in different research projects over the years, but uh, not enough. And again, the dollars are the thing that, that makes it not happen. There was a new research program just started at the beginning of this year uh, in Hobart. Uh, see, you're a Hobart man down there with yeah, you. Yeah, born and bred in Hobart, yeah. yes. Um, and they launched what they call a step up to dementia research. Yep. So this is a new program that started, but they're based in Sydney, but they launched it in Hobart, where people can register their names so that when researchers, because one of the challenges for the researchers is finding candidates that they can use to do their research on. Mm. So if you register with Step Up to Dementia Research, then the researchers go to them and they say, look, I'm looking for you know, some participants to be a part of my research. Um, can you give me an idea of who might be available? And then, you, if well, you, they can find them themselves. I think they, they can. There's a small, but yeah, mm. but they do a research. They do a search, and they can mm. find people that will be uh, available for research in that way. And that's only a new initiative. They've been doing that in the UK now for ten years. Mm. So we're a little bit behind in the research mm. still. Yeah. So obviously, what, what's a, what, where does most of the funding come from in 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 uh, the space of uh, finding out about doing the research at the moment and, and, and putting you know funds towards the people that need it with the condition uh, what, where does where does a lot of the where does the, does the funding come from different charity groups or does it how does the government chip in here the government does do quite a bit not enough but they do quite a bit the drug companies also do a lot so a couple of the research programs that Ali was involved with were financed by the drug companies because obviously if the drug company finds a miracle drug then they're going to make a lot of money yeah. out of that uh, out of that uh, that medication so at the moment it's primarily the government and the drug companies and maybe smaller philanthropists who might you know give money in that way as well um, there's always a plea for more money for research mm. so the ordinary people you know everyday housewives and house People mm. in the community will give money towards research as well. Mm. That does happen too. People also leave leave money in their legacies wills, and yeah, mm. you know. yeah. It's great that, that people can, I mean, obviously support in whatever way they can when it comes to funding for for you know for yeah. this. So, yeah. um, I, I guess uh, where how long has has the advocacy team been around for? When did that start? Tell me how it all got started. 
Well, our advocacy team has only yeah. been around since 2016. So three years, yep. Yeah, so about three years. Um, part of the advocacy overall mm. is also with Alzheimer's Australia and then Dementia Australia. Yep. So in 2000 and when was it her dad got the illness? It was 90... 81, I think 81. You said. So it mm. would have been about the mid-80s when Alzheimer's Queensland started. Yep. And, and that's what I was involved with back then. And then that gradually spread around Australia. So Alzheimer's, Queensland or whatever the state they were in, they did some research, but not enough. Uh, they were always, they were kind of separate in their organisation. So every state had their own. They had a kind of a central one, but they never were kind of organised centrally, if you understand what I mean. In fact, Alzheimer's Australia. Australia. So then that was Alzheimer's Queensland. Then they started Alzheimer's Australia. So at one point in Queensland, you had Alzheimer's Queensland and Alzheimer's Australia. So there was these two kind of groups that were supposedly with the same focus. They did some advocacy, but not a lot. Mm. Their primary focus was uh, was looking after the carer, making mm -hmm. sure that there was a respite and there was places where people yep. could go. And so the real focus was more on the carer than the person with the dementia. Um, about four years ago, when we were involved at that time with Alzheimer's Australia, um, we were getting frustrated because there were a lot of things that were not happening uh, that we, we believe could have happened. Mm. We met some advocates from the UK, from uh, the Scottish Dementia Working Group, and they said, look, you know, you guys should do your own advocacy. So that's what we did. So in 2016, we started the Dementia Awareness advocacy team not to replace dementia australia but to have another voice mm. in the community that said you know what about this what about that so yeah. um so i guess one of the things with any kind of advocacy it's about like mm. who who funds that advocacy mm. and whether you then can speak out because you're worried maybe to, to losing mm. your funding if you say the wrong thing yeah. whereas we're, we're not beholden to anybody so we generally can still say most things and get away with it. Yeah, well, that's really good. I mean, uh, what I do like about that is at least you're you're sort of putting your beliefs and spins into yeah. something like that, and uh, and obviously you've got the the bodies that have been around for as you said a lot longer since the yeah. '80s and be, probably get bigger and yeah. larger over time, and whether these bodies do, you know, what um, you know, I guess the people that are trying to get benefit from from that, that information or whatever that they're providing as a body, if they're not getting that, that out of there, then it, certainly there's always a call to be able to, to do what you guys have done and, mm. and set up, you know, your own sort of, you know, I guess, uh, advocacy. So uh, well, is it actually... Well, to be fair, yeah. Dementia Australia do advocacy as well, and I yep. wouldn't want to take that away. We're involved yep. with them yep. as well. Okay. But they had a name change. So when they were Alzheimer's Australia... Yep. I think they really struggled, but in 2017, mm. they changed it and they changed the way the organisation was structured. Mm. So they went from having all these independent states who did their own thing yep. to coming under the umbrella of one national body, mm. which was except then Dementia West, Australia. Except for, yep. West, so, except for West Australia. Mm. West Australia decided not to join the group yep. at that time. Mm. Um, so they become a much more cohesive group. Mm. And I think since 2017, Dementia Australia are doing a marvellous job within the resources that they have. Okay, that's and, really good. And we're very and involved with them. And they have an advocacy group. 
and they have an advocacy group of which we're uh, part okay. of too. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, I said I don't know too much, but I'm just trying to find out all the information. Well, and uh, this is what I'll yeah. to say there. I'm on the Dementia Australia advocacy. Yep. Advisory. Uh, advisory committee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and what role does that do you play in there? What what kind of things do you do? That we look at policy and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Yeah. So in other yeah. words, what they do, what are the kind of uh, catch cries for the people with dementia is, is nothing about us without us. So if you're going to talk about people with dementia, we want to be involved in talking about that yes. as well. Yeah. Mm. So in other words, what Alzheimer's or Dementia Australia have now done, well, Alzheimer's Australia did do it as well, but I think Dementia Australia have done a better job since they've been managing it they have what they call a dementia advisory group. So that advisory group is only made up of people living with dementia like Eileen. Mm. And so anything new or new changes that they want to develop within Dementia Australia, they run it through that group first of all to kind of get the views of those people living with dementia to kind of get what their opinion is about and mm. you know if they can see anything you know that they could fix or change or whatever mm. so that's what Eileen's on about yeah yeah okay yeah. the other thing that Dementia Australia do really well is their education and support for for people in the community and they're that's also for nursing yeah. care so for our for our site we've got 770 employees across our site and uh, I would probably say a good 90% of them if not 95% of them have undergone the dementia um, training which is a three-day course and it's probably the best training I've ever done in my life I think it was it was so profound you actually got to talk about real life experiences Mm -hmm. and how to be able to to enhance people lives or how to be Mm -hmm. able to deal with certain situations from a personal level Mm -hmm. Um, and um, so we've all got a really strong foundation about how to interact with people um, who are uh, you know uh, suffering from or living with dementia related diseases and how we can actually make their lives a little bit easier so the training that Dementia Australia provide is, is second to none and um, that's a free service, that's a government funded service um, and then they also do um, fee-for-service some, some training programs as well but they've got clinical educators that can actually help um, in within um, our nursing homes and other nursing homes that um, around behavioural support so a lot of the times um, people might be behaving in a certain way but we're not quite sure why and what they'll do is they'll they'll um they'll work with the family they'll work with the individual to actually try and uncover what's that trigger for that person why is that they're becoming up distressed at a certain thing and it might be particularly um around shower time or th- mm-hmm. something like that they'll try and undercover what's going on for this person how can we actually reduce this trigger how can we make this life a little bit easier for this person so dementia australia have a behavior specialist mm-hmm. that actually come in and and actually help people not only in the community but in nursing homes as well so they do a, an absolute fantastic job yeah mm-hmm. excellent one of the questions i would ask you when you did that training mm-hmm. did they have people living with dementia as part of the training no there's the weakness yeah, yeah. The weakness we had a clinical is, educator yeah, yeah. their weakness mm-hmm. is again mm-hmm. nothing about us without us mm-hmm. if you're doing the training you should have people living with dementia as part of the training group mm-hmm so that the people who are going through that course can also speak to the person living with dementia to get yeah. what their view is. Yeah. And I think that's the weakness that they have, and we've told them that, mm. that we think they be- we believe they should have people living with dementia as a part of their training. Because they now, Dementia Australia actually split their training group. They now have Dementia Training Australia mm. as well, which is a separate organisation, but still somehow connected to overall mm. Dementia Australia. 
but in terms of training, we would only advocate training where there are people involved who live with dementia that be a part of that training. And that's what we try to do, because we provide training as well, but we always have people living with dementia doing the training with us. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would be quite difficult when you've got um, you know, a large workforce to be able to, to do that with and things like that. But um, I found, like, with when I did, I did it with a different organisation, but um, through Dementia Australia, but um, we had people from all walks of the community. So we had people in community care, we had people in hospitals, um, and, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, we, we got a, a, such a broad scope of people with different experiences, which I th- think was most valuable. Yeah, but I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that the logistics of that might be quite complex. Not, uh, not, not, not insurmountable, necessary. though. Not insurmountable. No, it's, about, okay. it's a matter of mm. will. Because one of the things you mentioned there, too, which is one of the issues that we're advocating for at the moment, in fact, we went to a conference just a week ago in mm. Sydney mm. Um, on that issue to mm. do with advocacy for... Because one of the things that uh, is still happening is they'll, they'll use terms like the behaviour mm. of people with dementia. Mm. And uh, one of the examples they gave was because in, in the... In the medical world, they call that BPSD, uh, and and that is the behavioural and psychological symptoms of dementia. So if somebody behaves in a certain way, and they say, oh, it's because of the dementia that you're behaving in that way, whereas it may not be. Yeah. So one of the examples was, like today, I've just met you for the first time, you've just met me for the first time. If somebody came in here who had a bit of authority over you and me and said, look, um, I want you to go out with me and I want Doug to give you a shower. So let's go to the shower together and I want you to strip off your clothes and so Doug can give you a wash down. How would you feel about that? <laughs> That's a bit, yeah, a bit in your face, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So why would it be any different from somebody yeah. goes into a nursing home mm. who doesn't know this nurse or yeah. nice Supposedly person, this care person, yeah. who's now going to wash you and they're not going to say, hang on, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. No. That's the kind of thing. So they will label that as a behaviour, mm. a dementia-related behaviour, when it often isn't. Mm. It's, no, it's, just, it's just a human behaviour. It's, yeah. it's a human behaviour. It's a natural behaviour, yeah. 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 Mm. Some very good points there. Uh, very, very good points indeed, Doug. Um, I guess what I sort of wanted to probably touch on, I guess, you, you mentioned that uh, Eileen had, had uh, first been diagnosed 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess um, tell us a bit about, I guess, how, how, how the last sort of 10 years has been. What, what sort of systems have you sort of put in place in order to cope with uh, uh, that you found comfortable, obviously, that, that work for you, uh, I guess just some typical everyday life type things that you might might have changed that that uh, that you've sort of put into place just so you can, I guess, share as a way of, I guess, to anybody else who may, may know somebody with dementia and looking at different routines and that, you know, what you do. Well, I refer to my phone diary. Yep. A lot. So the phone, just Every the day. so it's like a calendar on your phone sort yeah. of thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got an iPhone, so it's the diary on the iPhone, mm. um, or the calendar, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what sort I, of dog? Sorry. I've got a toy poodle. A toy poodle. He's very attached to, to uh, Eileen too, <laughs> the baby. And <laughs> he was training to be an assistance dog, but he was a little bit too... He was a little bit too um, anxious to be uh, an assistance dog. 
but he still gives me a lot of comfort. Mm. Mm. Excellent. So those those little things there. What about um, do you? I've seen it um, sort of portrayed in. Uh, do you say driving or? Yeah, I gave up. Well, I did a memory walk for Alzheimer's Australia mm. at Q, uh, Queensland Uni. Um, and I lost my driver's license yep. and I couldn't, I never found it. Yep. Um, and so it was getting close to when I needed to renew it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was becoming about this time, maybe a bit earlier. And I thought, if I get into an accident, mm. Yeah. I'm going to get blamed mm. so I gave my licence up mm. and I've now never, got never an easy thing to do to give up your licence at any time it's mm. part of you uh, exactly mm. it's so, part but, of you but being, being accepting that you know that at the end of the day you know that's that's the decision you made you know brave decision um, but smart decision Sure, but it was still a grief situation. Yeah, well, it's yeah. losing a part of your freedom, isn't it? Yeah. It is the freedom to just get in the car and just go, like we've mm. yeah. done a hundred thousand times before. Mm. For sure, yeah. Mm. for sure, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know any any good sort of uh, documentaries or TV shows or any movies that sort of depict, uh, you know, a good you know it's a good understanding or what what it's sort of like to. To sort of have uh, dementia, um, but the friend that wrote that book, oh, uh, uh, Kate Swaffer. Yeah, yeah. Mm. she's written a few books, but one of them is called "What the Hell Happened to My Brain." Mm. <laughs> uh, Wendy Mitchell, somebody I used to know. That's a book. Yep. That's yeah. a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, There's not really a lot of movies, is there? Yeah. It? it probably is out there. I mean, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just share one example that I saw in the last over the last couple of years that, that sort of... Um, I'll share a couple of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's one of my favourite TV shows, um, and you'll probably laugh at this uh, if, if you know the TV show. Um, it depicts a woman's prison. And uh, it's called Wentworth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, Australian drama. Yeah. And one of the uh, inmates, her name was Liz, uh, Lizzie Birdsworth, mm. and uh, she was suffering. You know, it showed uh, over two seasons. It mm. showed her how she sort of suffered mm. uh, from you know dementia in particular. Mm. They went through giving her drugs to try to make her better, uh, yeah. to try to make her mem- memorize things better. Um, one thing they developed, which I thought was quite quite good and I wonder if you, you know if something that like this has ever happened where you you know you're going to forget things you know you're going to forget things but in in a in a in a situation like a prison or something like that you may have like a little box a memory box and you might just put in quotes about stuff that you remember oh, I remember this happening da 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 and put it in there and then you go back to that that mm. memory box pull pull out quotes that you put in there mm. just to refresh um, I guess your memory as to you know, oh gee, I remember that now. Um, or you go to a place. Well, you, you know, can do that with photographs. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. So yeah. 
So if you've got a, yeah. if you've got a phone, as you said, phone seems to be your tool. Mm-hmm. Um, that you, you've you've got the photos, you've got the the diary. That's that's your way of remembering uh-huh. uh, everything and keeping on top of everything. It's it's a very good, very good uh, yeah. to to be able to have that. Mm-hmm. And can I pull you up a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't suffer. No. Yeah. Only I can say if I'm suffering. <laughs> yeah. So any person with dementia can say they're suffering, but you can't say that yeah. I'm suffering. So they have a big thing about language. So yeah. language yeah. is quite significant. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, it's really good. <laughs> we, but, we, yeah, it's it's something that we're is trying to... Is it appropriate to, to say someone living with dementia? Someone yeah, living, living with, with dementia, dementia yeah. is yeah. okay, yeah. but not suffering. suffering. Yeah. Or even using the word patient, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm it, only a patient and that's in really, a hospital. And that's yeah. really a more of a community sort of way of people looking at, at dementia from what they know about it. They're saying, well, okay, that person, you know, is, is going through a hard time. But it's um, what but it does is it continues to stigmatise. It stigmatises. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and people don't, you know, obviously people don't appreciate no. that, unfortunately. No. For, well, most people don't. No, appreciate uh, yeah. that unfortunately but I you know yeah. but uh, that's that's really well put um, yeah. that you know yeah. you're living with dementia yeah. and uh, and that's that's what it is yeah. uh-huh. and uh, good as far as that's con- you know there's a film that I would recommend that's yep. really good which almost parallels Eileen's experience yeah okay bit, and that's called Still Alice I don't know if you've heard or seen that I've heard the name, so still Alice. Julianne Still Moore. Alice, yeah. Julianne Moore played the role of Alice. Yeah, in the film. I do. Actually, she won I, an Oscar for I it. I might have yeah. seen. I don't know if I watched the movie from start to finish, but I do. I do probably recall seeing bits and pieces of it. I do. Well, that's worthwhile. Seeing. It's yeah. worthwhile. I mean, she's a, a university professor who starts by losing words as well, and then she goes through the progress of slowly deteriorating over many years as well. Mm. But another favourite of mine is one called Iris, which mm. is also a true story, based on a woman called Iris Murdoch, who was also a university professor at the Edinburgh University in Scotland. And hers is much more kind of, um, her behaviour was much more bizarre, if you like, in some way than Alice's was. Uh, that's another really good one. But there's quite a few films that you know depict that happening. Right at this very moment in the UK, which we haven't seen yet, but I've seen in the news that there's quite a few new films about to come out in the UK, so we won't see them for a while on, on the whole issue of dementia. Okay. And they've been trying to, as in your case, the example of the TV series, mm. they've done that with a few other TV series as well, because yep. I think it was your sister who told you about, uh, what's it, EastEnders or something that she was oh, watching, that, yeah, where there was, was somebody with dementia. Mm. There's a lot of everyday programs that people mm. watch, they're introducing mm. characters into them to kind of highlight you know, the issues about I think it's trying to reduce the stigma attached to it as well. Yeah. Does There's that, a lot yeah. of stigma attached yeah. to yeah. it and um, yeah. people don't really know how to interact with people no. who are living with it sometimes no, as well. So, so um, it sounds like to me one of the probably the one, one of the most difficult things is the stigma itself. Mm. Uh, it is. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah. As yeah. opposed to, you know, a day-to-day basis. Um, the stigma is probably more than the day-to-day basis. Sure. A lot more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. that's that's the thing about it, and you know, it, it's it's an in- interesting you know conversation as far as that's concerned. Mm. Um, I guess is it, I guess anything else that you sort of wanted to talk a bit about anything any advice that you've got uh, for people that uh, that are either going to live with somebody uh, with dementia or or people that are 
that may be getting you know may get dementia in the future is any any sort of I guess advice that you've got well I, I suppose if you suspect that you might have a dementia yeah look for a diagnosis yeah and if they won't give you a diagnosis find someone who will give you a diagnosis Something someone said to me um, uh, that's always stuck with me is um, with, and it's not just relating to people with dementia, but it's relating to, I guess, um, people with chronic disease or, or with any illness, I guess. Um, live each day the best you can for as long as you can sure. and then deal with whatever happens. <laughs> Don't worry about the future too much. You've got to, you know, you've got to plan and things like that. It's always important to do that. But live each day the best that you can each day. And I think for me, I always try to find moments in in people's days or try and invoke invoke moments of happiness or joy in people's days wherever I can um, however I can whether it's in my day-to-day personal life or in my work life um, to try and um, find connection with people and I think that that's the that's the the difficult thing um, that I find with people who are living with with dementia and people who aren't is trying to get that connection because and sorry let me rewind um the most important thing and advice that i could probably give to someone is they're not going to be able to enter your reality you have to enter their reality so you have to go with the flow with what they what they're kind of going with as well um if they want to tell you the sky is white well the sky is white today um you know if they they want to talk about something you go with the flow on things um but just try and find that connection um but live the best you can for as long as you can yeah and just on living generally, I mean, what what are your some of your uh, hobbies that you enjoy doing, both both Eileen and uh, Doug? What do you enjoy? I mean, what what sort of makes you feel like oh, this is this is something I look forward to, or you know, some recreational things that you like to do? <laughs> dog, uh, <laughs> yeah, we go walking. Mm. So the dog and I go well until Doug's knees started playing up. Yeah, where we used to go walking. Um, you did quilting too. I used to be a quilter. Mm. Um, I'm still quilting, mm. if not every day mm. like I used to. Mm. Every every week like I used to. Mm. Uh, so Eileen, are you? Maybe every couple of weeks, yeah. but are you one that likes to travel around? Do sort of travel around the world as well, like seeing place different uh, places and stuff like that. Oh, I went to see the Northern Lights a few years oh. ago, two years ago. Hey, oh, you, you get to see the Northern Lights? I missed out. I, I was meant yeah. to. I went to had a had a, a go at trying to see the Northern Lights about. It was nearly three years ago to mm. the day. We're over in Scandinavia and spent spent a good couple of weeks in the area mm. on a on a herd of Gruten on a cruise ship actually. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, no luck, unfortunately. Never. Oh. The weather wasn't good enough and uh, just missed, missed out, unfortunately. But oh, obviously you would have... Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Yeah, it was good, mm. yeah. So awesome. we've, had, we've had the fortune of speaking in a few places around the world with the yeah. Dementia experience as well. And it's good that you can sort of so, take, take it uh, worldwide. You're not sort of just uh, concentrating yeah. on this area. You, you're taking your expertise all over the globe. Yeah. So we've, Eileen is invited to speak at the Alzheimer's Disease International. 
Wow. Next Probably year we're going to Singapore, going to, Singapore to speak in Singapore. Uh, Do you like Singapore as a destination? Pretty good. Mm, no. I like it. Ali likes it. I'm not mm. that very. To me, it's like a big it? shop, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Singapore. very good opportunity though. To lots of people can be. There, oh yeah, no that's well. good. Yeah, good opportunity in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So. And do you know what you'll be? What what topic will you be speaking about? We do. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us. Don't keep hope. it secret. Hope. 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 Mm. Right. So Is hope, there hope, hope intervention. Yeah. Oh, there's got to be. Hope for a cure. I think it's oh, uh, perseverance gosh. as well into hope, yeah. maybe. So. Hope for uh, no stigma, inclusion. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hope for a long life. Mm-hmm. Hope for... Quality life. A quality of life, yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. You've been very fortunate to be able to be invited as guest speakers at many... Um, at many events. You went to one last week, is that right? We did. Do you yeah. want to share, well, share what happened Sydney. that was? So where was that? That was in Sydney. Mm. We went to one on human rights that was put on by the University of Sydney mm. um, with a focus on rights because the whole issue of human rights when it comes to dementia is not very good. So it was dementia um, and aged care. And aged care and with aged care too and of course you would know the aged care human rights or the Royal, the Royal Commission has mm. been big time in the news. So. That's more, yeah, fairly recent, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of those people also are people living with dementia. So generally their rights have been atrocious. I mean, mm. absolutely It's atrocious. sad that, that uh, yeah. when people lose, you know, rights, um, you yeah. know, because, because of, you know, people's perceptions on, yeah. on what they, you know, what they've got, whether it's, some, you know, something like dementia or... Yeah. you know, or, or something else. One of the things that um, I, I imagine that it highlighted and certainly highlighted out of the Royal Commission is um, is the the training of staff um, and um, I guess staff lack culture of. and thing lack of lack and um, of. and um, secondary is that the amount of money that's actually um, uh, I guess geared towards aged care in in general. Um, mm. It's a very expensive. Um, uh, industry, I guess, to be able to look mm-hmm. after people, um, and unfortunately, it is a people business. So you know, um, you are relying on your staff to be the, at their very best as well, and um, it's a very difficult time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of really wonderful staff as well, and I know that oh, yeah. that that um, the Royal Commission is just highlighting a lot of negativity, and and that's all we people are hearing. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, every day I see in our sites, mm. you know, some absolutely beautiful, caring staff, and mm. some some people that are getting, no, you know, yeah. having such mm. a profound, profound yeah. life. And I, yeah. my, I feel that my my role is to share that with with people because yeah. there's so much negativity around around it and people being mistreated mm. and that's all you see in the news because that's all that sells is negativity negativity well it isn't only i mean but, really statistically mm, it mm. is worse generally. oh yeah i mean we went to another conference about a year ago in mm. melbourne mm. and at that time they were reviewing so this was before the royal commission mm. they were reviewing all the kind of residential care centers around australia and there was only something like 10% mm. of the residential care centres around Australia mm. that had any kind of decent care providing that was happening. Mm. So the vast majority mm. of, of our residential care centres haven't or haven't been doing the mm. right thing. So That's unfortunately, what I just wonder, how they pass accreditation if they... You know, how do they see... Because you know, everything well, has to be transparent when you go through accreditation. Well... They, they act like, a, you know, like a ball of wool and they just pull and pull and pull until they find a problem and... Um, 
you know, accreditation is so is so, so big and, um, and it's, big heavily, yeah. it's heavily mandated. So I don't understand in some ways how all this has been happening and not coming to the attention of the authorities. That's, well, that's a good th- question. Why do you that think? has happened. Uh, mm. I mean, there were some pretty big organisations that were involved. Mm. I mean, a major organisation that was involved that involved that people would never have dreamed of, but mm. they were getting around it. So, mm. I mean, if you've got the, the resources and you've got the people who know how to do it, they'll mm. get around that mm. accreditation stuff. Because mm. yeah. yeah. I know for, for us, and, and certainly throughout my my um, my life in the, in the clinical space, as well as a, a, you know, a caseworker space, is document everything. Everything has to be documented. If it does, it wasn't documented, it didn't happen. But, <laughs> but everything has to be documented down to, and it has to be put in a way that it's obviously not judgmental mm. and biased. It has to be facts. Mm. Um, so it, I guess there's probably a lot of things that just aren't being recorded. Mm. That's yeah. probably one of the cases. Yeah. yeah. There's one. I guess it's probably we, we we're getting to the last sort of fifteen twenty percent of the podcast. Sure. So there's one topic. I, there's one thing I just wanted to bring up uh, that we hadn't really spoken about, and this is probably what's quite a lot on what this uh, these notes here that I've got in front of me. But uh, uh, dementia friendly uh, communities. Let's talk a bit about dementia friendly communities, cafes, all the other bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, to tell I guess tell the audience a bit about this. Uh, I guess, and and what it's all about. Well, Dementia Friendly, first of all, was started in the UK. Yep. And initially in the UK, what being a Dementia Friend was that you you went and you did a small course and you could either do it online and it would take about half an hour to do by answering a couple of questions, watching a few little videos. And then when you've done that, then you became a Dementia Friend. Then to become a dementia champion, you then had to go and do a half-day course, which made you a little bit more knowledgeable about what the dementia was going on. Australia was a little longer in picking up the initiative, and when they did, because uh, we were on the committee that developed the one they have here with Dementia Australia, they decided to call theirs dementia-friendly communities. And rather than, you know, kind of, use what they were doing in the UK and adapt it to the Australian model, they decided to do their own thing entirely, Australian uh, Dementia Australia. Some of it we agree with, some of it we don't. One of the things that we don't particularly think is a good idea is to become a dementia friend in Australia at the moment or to become a part of their community because they add their community at the end, is you can go online and you can do it online the same way they used to do it in the UK. and you. And now they've even reduced it from half an hour to 20 minutes. You can be a dementia friend. Uh, have you seen their dementia friend program online? No, no, sorry. Well, I'd, no. I'd like you to do no, it. We'll, I definitely you, want to have a look at it. Before you before you do your podcast, go on and register and become a dementia friend via yep. Australia, via okay. Dementia Australia. The challenge with Dementia Australia is it does the same thing we were talking about before with training. And that is, there's no one, well, there is someone, because in the films that you look at, you'll actually see people living with dementia mm. who are telling their stories. But there's not a live person that you can talk to. We run the Dementia Friend Program, Eileen and myself as well. But because we have Eileen who lives with dementia, the people that come to our session, and we don't go for 15 minutes, we go for an hour. So mm. we tell them, if you're gonna do a dementia-friendly thing with us, you're gonna sit for do an hour. Yeah. But it's more interactive, so there's interaction yep. that's going on. It's not just watching a whole lot of videos 
and then mm. suddenly you're a dementia friend. Mm. So we think that's a weakness in the, the local system at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to see more involvement at a personal level. So even if they have to introduce the dementia champion, which is what they did in the UK, mm. where you have to be with other people mm. to kind of get that interaction going, yep. which we're not doing here. Yet. So like a face-to-face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're encouraging businesses, companies, um, yep. community yes. organisations... So, so how could a business come on on board? Like I've seen certainly um, you know, around the community. So there's certainly dementia-friendly cafes where it's a low sensory environment. They you know they cater towards people. The the staff have undergone that training to be a lot more sensitive and a little bit more engaging with people. Um, uh, certainly public transport is a big uh, you know mm. a big thing yes. that, that you know that that. Um, could really benefit from something like that. I know there's, you know, swimming things. Yeah. Goma do um, a really great art class yeah. for people yeah. with. Well, we trained. We Goma. did that. We were oh, the ones who trained Goma. them. Well, there you go. We trained oh, there them. There you go. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But but see, the the issue is not about that. I mean, the issue is is that becoming a dementia friendly organisation or a dementia friendly. We had an invitation today, this mm. morning. I had mm. a phone call from the library at Redcliffe asking mm. Ali and myself would we come there and do an audit for them? So doing an audit mm. is going into a centre and looking around and saying, this is not really dementia-friendly, that's not dementia-friendly. Oh, yeah. you know, can so, you so in environmentally... The environment, oh, the environment yes, is yes, a key okay, thing. Yep. Definitely. Mm. So that, that has supposed to have happened in a few places, and we've been to a few places that are supposed to have been dementia-friendly, and they're not. Mm. In fact, I read an article earlier this week about some place, and the, the person posed the question was, because the danger is that a lot of people will go and do the dementia-friendly stuff and they'll say, oh, we're dementia friends now. Yeah, yeah. But their behaviour doesn't always speak that. You know, yeah. Their actions don't always go with what they claim. So being a dementia friend is about, I believe, being inclusive, being inclusive, accessible, yeah. including yeah, right. diversity, uh, a whole range of different things. Mm. So the idea of that is so that when and doing those environmental uh, audits, Eileen mm. and myself have done quite a few audits and gone into shopping centres to see. The shopping centres are one of the big culprits. I mean, so, I so think like, Arlene wanted to talk here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go for it. So, like, the sensory issues are a big part of mm. dementia. Mm. Okay. Uh, and so black carpets at entrances to shops are like a like a black hole like a black hole Mm. Mm. Mm, signposts signs just general or or signs Mm. they're not in a uh, they're not in a a a good place Mm. Mm. too many signs yeah yeah Mm. We did the Redlands Hospital. They had so many signs everywhere (laughs) that didn't need to be there. So an overuse of signs. So an overuse of signs. Mm. Yeah. So they often say, like in a lot of the RSL places and stuff, like they've got those carpets with all those patterns, and that's that's quite um, disarming for for people at times. Sure. Yes. Mm. So colour contrast is a real Mm. big issue because. Mm. Toilets, for example, I mean, are, are usually white. You go into a toilet, the, the seat might be white, the floor is white, the walls are white. Uh, a friend of ours from Cleveland went into a toilet in Cleveland and he got into the toilet and he couldn't get out. He couldn't find the way out mm. because everything was white. 
and without him shouting and banging on the door and his wife was outside, she heard him and opened the door. She was banging on the yeah. wall to, to show him where the door yeah. was. So yeah. having even mm. a sign on the door that says exit. A lot of this stuff, you know, I just don't know, yeah. yeah. I've never, never heard of this. It's just amazing. Toilet seats, for example. Mm. Uh, the recommended colour for a toilet seat is a, is a kind of a blue, similar to the blue on this jacket or pants or whatever over, yeah, over there. So that when you're going to the toilet, you're not thinking you're just going to sit on the ground because the ground's white yeah. and the seat's white. Mm. You've got that contrast of a different yeah. colour. So colour contrast is a big issue. In, yeah, okay. Dementia friendly. Color contrast as well. So yeah, that's uh, that's if so. Any, if any um, organisations want to look gonna, into that, um, I'd probably suggest the um, Alzheimer's. Uh, oh, sorry, Alzheimer's Australia Dementia Australia website, and you can go on there. It's an online toolkit there, so it gives you a bit of information about how organisations and how businesses could actually go about um, becoming a bit more inclusive as well. Yeah, there's a little online toolkit link here too, so yes, yes. Um, that's uh, very, very good. And, I, and the website does provide a lot a lot of content, yes. a lot of information. Mm. And um, I would always suggest people who are living in the community, especially carers, mm. particularly living people, people living with a, a dementia as well, is mm. to call them up if you are yep. having a drama or you just need to talk to someone. They're, um, you know, they're, they're trained counsellors mm. as well, so they can help you walk you through a process if you're not so quite understanding mm. something. So, yeah. I also need to let you know about Dementia Alliance International, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, of which I'm a part. Um, it's a group of people who um, uh, are all over the world uh, and uh, committee is made up of people all over the world, all living with a dementia. Uh, most, of pe most of them are advocates, but there are people, I run an online support group for them for Australia and New Zealand. Um, and um, I don't know where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kate. Kate is like the CEO of. Uh, Kate Swaffer is kind of like the CEO. I think. Kate is called Swaffer. Is it S W A F E R? Yeah, that's what I've got it. Yep. Um, and she is the one who really got the human rights into the arena mm. at the UN. Okay. Mm. Excellent. Um, so I, I guess there's a question for you, Lisa. Um, you're part of Hamilton Rotary Club. I am. Have you had these two exceptional speakers along as guest speakers to one of your uh, meetings? Oh, I haven't yet. No, I haven't actually. No. Um, we've um, we've had a, a Rotary um, tour our beautiful site at Portofino, um, but no, I haven't haven't done that yet. Um, mm. But it's something. It's a little project that we're going to talk about um, in relation to Rotary and trying to raise some awareness and. Um, and try and get some support mm. through the research and stuff like that. I don't know how how we'll go yet, but we're um, we're going to go down mm. that path and just um, see what support mm. the particularly Rotary Health, not so much yeah. um, Rotary of Hamilton in mm. in particular. There's a smaller group, yeah, but okay. I think in Ro Rotary Health do a number of um, 
quite significant pro um, projects that actually help um, could potentially help. So we'll yeah. we're going to look at that. Yeah. Mm. One of the things that happened we're hopeful when we first started our group was we had some help from the University of Wollongong and they had a project that they were doing as a part of their research and it was called Our Place Map. And what that was, was you go online and you went to Our Place Map and we did one for Brisbane and for the Bayside area where we live, is that let's say you lived in Sydney and you were coming up to Brisbane and you had someone with dementia or you had dementia and you wanted to find a dementia friendly hotel or a restaurant you'd look on the Our Place Mat and it would be identified all the places that were dementia friendly and would, you know, cater to your needs. Sorry, that's very good. Yeah. So Dementia Australia have now picked up on that. So okay. they now, because we don't do Our Place Map anymore either, just it became such a big job to, to, to do. But Dementia Australia have borrowed that idea and they now have that as part of their dementia friendly communities, which is a great idea of allowing people to kind of see when they go to a new area, Oh, that place there should be a dementia-friendly environment, and you know it's going to be safe. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Um, it's it's just ticked over the hour mark, uh, but <laughs> I uh, I do thank you very much uh, for coming along. This has been a, a very interesting podcast. As as I said at the top of the show, that uh, my knowledge in the area of dementia is not that great. Obviously, everyone knows a bit about everything, but knowing uh, what you need to know. Uh, is certainly something you know everyone should sort of make a bit of an effort to find it find out about uh, dementia if they don't know uh, too much about it as, as well as you know other diseases that uh, that are certainly um, prevalent you know amongst Australians and the world mm -hmm. so I'd like to thank uh, all three of you for coming along Douglas Taylor Eileen Taylor uh, Lisa Logan uh, it's been it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast any sort of final remarks or anything like that before we sort of wrap things up I think that um, if you'd like to to follow us on Facebook for, um, Dementia Awareness Advocacy Team or D-A-A-T for short mm. um, the Douglas posts a lot of um, very relevant up-to-date information on that um, on mm. that site and so you'll be kept up informed of all the latest things mm. that are going on in the in the research space and just life in general so Absolutely. yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a very good yeah. very good website and if you want to look at the DAI we do webinars every month mm. and we have pretty uh, that's the alliance you're talking yeah, about yeah. 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 Inter international yeah. they yeah. have yeah. webinars um, and we had a gerontologist a week ago a week ago mm. from the U USA talking mm. uh, Al Power mm. No, I think it's uh, I think it's great what you guys do. It's it's really good to see. I like what I like the probably one of the things I like the most is the passion behind trying to help, trying to help people. Uh, whether it's the community generally get involved, whether it's people that uh, that live with uh, the disease as well. So I thank you very much for your time to come in here to the office, uh, and certainly we'll get this uploaded as soon as we can and uh, allow you to share it onto your Facebook page mm. uh, and wherever else you'd like to share it as well. So it'll be up there. Um, thank you very much again and uh, 
have a have a great rest of the year. Have a great Christmas. Have a great. Hope you have a great 2020 and get your message out there. Thank well, you, Tim. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.